Welcome to the Alpha Female Podcast with me, your host, Robin Baldwin. This show is to inspire you to embrace living like an alpha female. But what is an alpha female, you may ask? An alpha female is a powerful and assertive woman. Her confidence is due to being an intelligent and intellectual problem solver. She constantly strives for a happy and healthy work-life harmony, but knows that it requires being true to your priorities and what makes you happy. She is never complacent about striving for better and always nurtures the relationships with the people in her life. So let's get started. You are listening to the Alpha Female Podcast, Episode 57. All links and show notes can be found at robinbaldwin.com forward slash podcast. Today on the show, we're talking to Leslie Ann Scorgi. Her passion for personal finance was strong well before her appearance on the Oprah Winfrey Show back in 2001. What started all the fuss in the first place was when she took up teaching her high school business class about investing, much to her teacher's surprise. Since appearing on the show in 2001 called Ordinary People Extraordinary Wealth, Leslie Ann has branched out as a best-selling author, entrepreneur, renowned professional speaker, educator, and popular columnist and television personality. Her area of expertise has also expanded into career navigation, entrepreneurship, and women's workplace equity and diversity issues. Today, she is armed with her three bestsellers, Modern's Couple Money Guide, Seven Smart Steps to Building Wealth Together, Well Healed, The Smart Girl's Guide to Getting Rich, and Rich by 30, A Young Adult's Guide to Financial Success. She's the founder of MeVest and has her BCom from the University of of Alberta and an MBA from Queen's University. She's also won Avenue's Top 40 Under 40 Award and WXN's Top 100 Most Powerful Women in Canada. And if that's not enough, she's related to the two most amazing people that I met on my Patagonia trip in November. So let's welcome her to the show. Thanks, Robin. Um, So I I just had to get you on. I've been watching you on social media, and I knew you were a fellow alpha female. So when I sent you the definition, what did you think of it, and how are you one? I I like the definition. I thought it was really bold, actually, to have a lot of pride around your work and your stamina and energy towards basically everything that you do. And that to me is what alpha female is, is trying to achieve your best at the things that you care the very most about. So alpha female in my case is chasing after my career goals, but also chasing equally hard towards my personal fitness and nutrition goals. And I loved it because it was empowering and I'd love for more young women in particular to feel good about reaching their potential in more than just their career or personal life. Mm, I love it. So um, share with us, what does your work-life harmony look like right now? So right now, I think harmony is a stretch. (laughs) (laughs) I I have to say, in my experience, um, I have never really had a period of time in in my adult life where I've not had a lot of different things going on, and that is 
partly what makes me an alpha female. I am passionate about many things. And so achieving harmony for me is being able to feel successful at the things that I am doing, not beating myself up around the fact that my calendar is full or I haven't had enough time for a personal time out. Um, I believe harmony for me is feeling powerful and successful in the things I care about. Mm. And I love that because um, we've had different guests on the show that really kind of balance work hours versus life hours, and that's important for them. And then we've had the alpha females on the show that are all in with specific projects, whether it's full-time career, uh, entrepreneurship, or working full-time and side hustles. And they subscribe to a season of life where sometimes they are all in with a project, and then they know that they need to kind of pull back and have a season of rest afterwards. But Mm -hmm. it's so different for everyone. And it's not like work-life harmony isn't trying to find that balance of equal. Um, But when we choose to go all in and set our priorities, are we taking care of ourselves so we're okay health-wise when we go at it? I I agree with that. And the area where women will get into trouble is when they feel like they have to achieve harmony all the time, mm. or, um, in a shorter period of time, harmony is achieved over a long period of time, and there will be ups and downs during that long time frame where you have more restful or seasonal periods, like you said. Um, and I think part of part of harmony is recognizing that it is a longer term approach, not short-term short-term rest or short-term balance because mm-hmm. that will go away mm-hmm. <laughs> it goes away <laughs> and um you'll just be battling um internally yeah when you've got that um when you're constantly beating yourself up about not achieving it this week or next mm-hmm. so when you feel like something's out of whack I guess that's the best way to describe it what do you do to kind of pull yourself out of it um, like do you have a healthy habit or like anything that just kind of sets you in the right motion yes I do so I turn often to fitness and I actually chose a few years ago to incorporate uh, personal fitness into my life in a a larger way. And I started gaining my certifications to teach fitness. And so now that I teach fitness a couple of days a week, I've found that it's just one of the most effective tools in getting my zen on for the 60 minutes that I am completely and utterly focused in that class. So it's rejuvenating. But more importantly, whether it's fitness or some other activity that a woman adopts in her life, the idea is for you to get into this state of flow. And flow is laser focus. It's ignoring distractions and it's doing 
your best to succeed at that one thing that you are doing right then and there, being hyper vigilant around succeeding at that thing for 60 seconds, 60 minutes, six hours, whatever it is. But understanding where my flow spot is for me right now, it's personal fitness. Um, Maybe in a year from now, maybe my flow can be more frequently had in my work. But right when I'm a little off my harmony, that's where I'm getting my flow from. So what do you teach? What kind of fitness classes? So I started a class called Ripped a few years ago, and it's a combination of plyometrics, free weights, aerobics, and damn good music. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> when, when I started like teaching ripped, I then morphed it with uh, some hit training. So that's like high intensity interval training. Mm-hmm. And um, I now have a class that is a bit of a blend between the two. It is awesome and fun and really effective. So what would you say is your personal fitness routine or is it based on teaching? Well, right now um, I teach three or four days a week and then I am very good about taking one or two additional days during the week to do something just for me, not teaching a class. Um, And yoga is something that I try to turn to or running. I've always been a runner And I have really enjoyed um, the beautiful scenery on a nature run, for example. So my week involves upwards of, you know, five exercise moments. Yeah. (laughs) And um, what I learned last year, interestingly, was I actually overdid it. I was almost at seven days per week. And my body told me, no way, Jose, <laughs> stop that. And so I listened and took it down. That seems to be a theme on the show. It's fascinating that I keep getting guests on that have been like pushing way too hard. I've talked about it before that I did 20 races in 2015 and last year I was dealing with adrenal fatigue. So even I've learned the the necessities of rest and being nice to myself, like not getting mad at myself when I don't have the energy to go to the gym. Uh, If I take care of myself with all my other health habits and nutrition, like rest is still just as important and movement, like going for walks and playing with the puppies instead. But I had to, I had to learn to give myself a lot of grace last year. Yeah, I think it's smart. Um, okay. What would you say you're most passionate about? Hmm. I, in, in the work that I do, it's largely around financial wellness. Mm -hmm. I've been passionate about it for, for many years. And that was a, Big, like it, I guess it was it started early in my life because we had very very little and I became intrigued by the thought of having money so that I could do the things that I wanted to do the fear though as a young kid of not having enough was probably not the right motivation to start a passion 
So as soon as I, you know, became a little bit wiser and had more experience, I turned that fear more into passion through educating other younger people about um, how they could become proficient um, investors, strong when it comes to budgeting, financially strong with their partner. So I've, in my career, focused largely on financial wellness, but I am, in the past year or two in particular, I'm really exploring wellness on a greater scale, like physical wellness, emotional wellness, career wellness, and all of these wellness components are brought together to make uh, you know a healthy and strong person. Mm. So when I break that down, what I'm trying to say is that I am by nature an educator and I am passionate about helping people achieve they're very, very best in whatever it is that they're doing. I happen to believe, though, that financial wellness is a large part of that. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm passionate about. Well, it's so true. When you ask people to um, kind of rate all the different sections of their lives in terms of like 10 being, you know, I've got this, this category, this life category is, I'm set, I'm good. And then like one being like, hmm, this could be, you know, this could be better. There's very rarely where someone constantly will rate finances as like a 10. It's always usually how to, how to figure that out. And I love Shailene Johnson's way of planning where she says, you know, do an audit of all your life categories when you're goal setting and then look at all of the, the ways you want to improve those areas. And usually the goals you set have to do with wanting more time, more money, or more accountability. <laughs> so um, what I like about the fact that you have this holistic wellness perspective is that it's true. Like when we, um, we want more time so that we can take care of ourselves. Um, we want more time so that we can build money and we want accountability. So we stick to those goals. So it's, it's neat to see the way that she kind of views goal planning and all of those assets, but it's true that so many people, you know, emotional, well-being uh, and just feeling okay and not stressed is usually associated with being okay from a financial standpoint. So I love that you're taking a root problem and teaching um, people how to do better within that area. And to build on that, the one thing I have noted in my career is that what we do with our finances to become financially healthy, it's the exact same set of behaviors that can be applied to your physical wellness, your career wellness, your emotional wellness, your relationship. It's the same behavior. It's just applied a little different in those facets. Would you say when you started taking care of yourself health-wise that you also um, just thrived financially? Because I can track back exactly when I decided to become healthy that my finances also settled down (laughs) yeah I you know I think you're on to something there I had in my uh, financial journey and I do call it a journey because even though I'm an educator and um, you know a a very well-known television personality on personal finances I have made financial mistakes 
very costly ones. And it's only in the past few years that I've been a lot more open sharing my own mistakes financially. And I think you're on to something because when I t started to take my physical and emotional wellness to uh, a next level, a, a place where I was much happier, I was able to get into that state of mind that I referred to before, that flow, mm. and that then moment, and things around, like big decisions around the finances became more clear, or if I had, um, you know, was on a path to clean up or make up for a financial choice that maybe wasn't that smart, um, the, the path to resolving it became a little more clear and a little less stress along that journey. Mm -hmm. And if I look back at just like my personal one, so I started a fitness journey when I became a fitness competitor, which evolved into an obstacle course racer. And then as I was diagnosed with different health issues, that became a health journey. But during that time, I started goal setting in different areas of my life, and I constantly had a financial goal. Um, so like way back when, when I first started the fitness journey, like one of the financial goals was to get out of credit card debt and just start mm -hmm. simply there. Um, and then it's evolved into ensuring that I'm consistently uh, investing in RRSP and TFSA. And yeah. then now it's even going further in teaching myself how to invest in stocks and ETFs and bonds and all that. So it's, it's interesting that as my health journey evolves, my financial journey also kind of evolves at the same time. And I think that speaks largely to the underlying behaviors in your health journey all the same behavior yeah. your financial journey that will make you financially well. Mm, I love it, that. It sounds like you're doing all the right things. And I also want to highlight that you started with one small goal, getting out of credit card debt, where I have found it difficult to make progress with our, you know, our clients or those that we're get offering financial coaching or counseling to is when they come to the table with six, seven, five goals, when you're turning the ship, <laughs> you really just need to start turning the rudder and hit the right speed. And that means one, maybe two goals. And keep them small, keep them simple. Hmm. Yeah, we had um, Rachel Adams on the show a few episodes before you and she talked about how when she started making one good decision and implementing it so say like a healthy habit of drinking water before coffee in the morning and once she got a handle of that after a week then she'd start the next habit so it's it, it's interesting that when you do that from a health perspective it's the same principles that you apply to finance so start small so that you don't get overwhelmed because if I tried to teach myself how to invest in the stock market when I didn't, uh, was it when I still had credit card debt? I would have stressed myself out completely. You would have been turned off. <laughs> I'm like, like, no, investing's for old white people. <laughs> um, okay, what would you say? And this is a random question, but what would you say is like people's biggest fear around financial health? It's the fear of the unknown. It's something we don't learn a lot about in school and certainly most 
people's parents or guardian didn't take a lot of time to talk about the perils of credit card balances or how to balance, you know, golden day checkbooks, which now we have online tools to help us with that. The second thing that really holds people up is they, they don't come from a great financial position. They're often in debt. So there's a lot of negativity and a lot of unknown when they get started. But what I can tell you is that some of the most remarkable financial transformations that I've been privileged to be a part of are with people that come to the table and the first thing they do is they lay all their cards, literally, and statements down the table. And we have what I like to call just like a keeping it real moment. Where are they starting from? And honesty around where you're starting from is the first step. We then can make a smart plan to get that transformation kick-started. But if you have no idea where you're coming from and you're so scared to lay those cards and statements down on the table, you will never make progress. This is also incredibly, incredibly hard for couples that maybe for quite a few years have been in a a bad habit of um, not being transparent with each other around where the money's going, how it's being spent. And it's usually during those like keeping it real meetings where the couple is they're gonna they are gonna get in in one hell of an entangled fight Mm. especially if things like um you know lying about how much money has been spent has been going on for a lot of years but it's the one thing that will save a relationship if you can do it respectfully and if you can start to change the behaviors but it is so scary to have that first keeping it real meeting. Hmm, it's true. And um, specifically for alpha females, you know, we're, we're very ambitious. We're very assertive. We're probably very um, intelligent in most areas of our life. So it, what is that barrier to admitting that you know nothing about something in financial terms? Um, you know, nowadays we have the internet and we can look things up, but um, how would you suggest an alpha female get over that kind of barrier to ask questions or to seek the right information and not get into like an internet wormhole of, I don't know where to look? Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> really this, uh, coming from an alpha female perspective, the smartest thing you can do is say, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to invest in the help to help me know. Mm. Where alpha females get into trouble, and I have done this over and over and over again, um, hopefully I won't be doing it anymore in the future, is I've tried to self-solution. And that is the that is the behavior that makes alpha females really so successful, but it can also be the exact same behavior that works against you in such an important area like personal finances. Um, First off, you just got to get over yourself. Uh, Secondly, like when you bring in and start to invest in the help that you actually need, it's going to free up 
like mental capacity and stress from your life so that you can start looking at that problem, like the financial problem, a little bit more objectively, a little smarter, etc. And I'm going to give you an example. I used to manage my own portfolio of money because I consider myself pretty proficient with investing. And um, I, I ran into a brick wall. I had made a few investments that were pretty risky and two out of the three turned out really well. One of the three didn't. And I decided it was time for me to like go and hire a professional investment advisor. Let me tell you, it was so disturbing that the financial advisor, me, was handing my portfolio over to an investment advisor. Mm. It was one of the most liberating experiences it was terrifying and now I have such an excellent relationship with my advisor that we often talk through the ideas that I, both of us have and I have seen my returns grow my stress level decrease and I have got somebody who lives and breathes the market every day whereas I live and breathe building a business mm -hmm. market. I don't, oh, well, I don't have the exposure that my investment advisor does every day having their pulse on it. I have my pulse on my business. I have like, if you were to look at me and equate an emoji to me, I'm like the monkey with hands over my eyes right now because I just taught myself completely how to self-invest. So <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm like, uh, I'm there right now. Um, and so I'm going to ask the question uh, to give like exact details, especially to the younger women who are like in their early 20s. And, are, and if they don't know, they're like, okay, okay. So there's so many different financial advisors from financial planners to investment advisors to accountants. Where would you start? Okay, so uh, here's the raw truth. You can't get a broker with less than $250,000 in investable assets anymore, period. So that's off the table. From an investment standpoint. <laughs> from, from a brokerage and investment standpoint. However, it is my opinion that when you are getting started, you need to get some professional advice on your total financial picture, either from a money coach or a financial planner. Do this early, do it often, learn the skills in your 20s if you can, or your 30s, and then you will start to grow your portfolio. When it reaches that, that you know, first $100,000 in investable assets, all of a sudden, the choices you have for investments and reduction of fees, um, they really open up. But the key here is if you're thinking, like, how the heck am I going to get started? Invest in the help that you need. Go and hire a money coach for a few sessions mm. or um, start reading some books. The minimum that you need in order to change behavior around finances is like minimum, you need to spend 10 to 15 minutes a week learning your finances, learning something new about how investments work or where to hire a great advisor. If you have um, someone that manages your family's money, that's the easiest place to start. Go and have an appointment with 
the financial advisor that's helping your family. Mm-hmm. Um, they may not like them, yeah. but um, just start there and then email around. See who else people are, are enlisting help from. And you do want to cycle through at least two to three interviews with um, professional advisors or money coaches before you land on one. Yeah. And accountants, even if you're somewhat self-employed, i.e. side hustles to full-time entrepreneur, if you don't have an accountant and you're trying to do your taxes yourself, then again, you're trying to learn everything in terms of uh, like updates from the government on your own, which you don't have the brain capacity for if you're trying to build a business. It's so true. Um, and then I just want to highlight uh, accounting is a very different um, expertise than financial planning or money coaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the accountant, accounting and accounting services are, are quite different. They're not uh, wealth building or um, planning no. services. No, you're talking, you're talking to a girl who now works full time for an accounting firm. Yeah. <laughs> so trying to explain to people that on a daily basis, it's always like, Oh, how do I start? <laughs> Um, okay, so let's get into a little bit more nitty-gritty on how you take care of yourself. How would you say you nourish yourself? Uh, good food and good amount of exercise, not overdoing it, but ensuring that I get enough. Mm-hmm. Um, big reader. And uh, one little thing I'm doing this year, which is so joyful for me, is I am attempting to learn French. So I am taking classes once a week at the University of Toronto. Um, I am doing Rosetta Stone. Like I'm Duolingo. I haven't done Duolingo yet, but I am nourishing like a part of my brain that I haven't tapped into for a little while, and it feels awesome. Alors, on peut pratiquer ensemble. Oh, gosh, that's a level one. <laughs> uh, I, since I'm back in Ottawa, I get to use my French, which I learned as a kid, and it's just filling my heart because I'm actually getting more practice in than I got in Toronto. That's amazing. Good for you. I'm jealous. <laughs> um, so you said you're reading. Is that how you're winding down at night and reducing stress from the day? I am trying to do that. I try and make you know 15 to 30 minutes of space at the end of the day. Um, to to read and just relax sometimes I don't even read sometimes I look at the book and I just you know chill out so then the question is the books that you're reading are they all business or self-development based or do you have escape escapism as well uh they I I when I go to bed I don't read anything but stories okay so um I read so much um, material in my field during the day. It just uh, it wouldn't do it for me at night. <laughs> yeah, good. Um, okay, what are some pain points of being an alpha female that you have to problem solve for, whether it's how we're perceived, our personalities, how we manage ourselves, and all the things that we want to do? Um, I can tell you a few things that really irritate me <laughs> um, is when I get advice from friends or family members and they say, oh, you should just slow down. <laughs> and I, I laugh at those because I know they come from like a really good place in that person's heart. But 
as an alpha female, like you don't have any more time. You don't just get to slow down and heaven help you if somebody commits your time on your behalf. It's probably one of my biggest pet peeves. Um, it's just really important to be clear about what you can give, what you can't give, and most importantly, um, when you're into something, focus on it. Don't be on to the next thing. There's just no point having a coffee with a friend that you love dearly and all you're thinking about is the logistics of some transaction that you're aiming to close by the end of the week. What a waste. So I think um, that's a way to get around that barrier. But I think also the alpha female is perceived by a lot of people as um, maybe uh, improper priorities or uh, priorities that go against society's uh, norms for women. Mm. And I don't like that because alpha females, sometimes they don't form permanent households till later in life. Sometimes they have children, but it's um, maybe not the traditional way. <laughs> and they make wonderful partners, wonderful mothers, wonderful business women. I just have a hard time with, yeah, I think I just have a hard time with judgment from other people. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's fascinating to watch how alpha female is being used. So I've called myself an alpha female since 2009. And the podcast started last year because I want to make a powerful, positive word movement around it. And I keep getting tagged and and it's also kind of kicking me in the butt because there's a million and one posts out there, you know, on HuffPost or whatnot of like, uh, it, like how to date an alpha female and is an alpha female the best girlfriend and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, why am I not the one writing these articles? <laughs> so on one side, I'm like, I need to get on it. But the other side, it's so fascinating that people are like generalizing alpha females and, and putting us into stereotypical boxes because that was another reason for this podcast was we all are so different and we just need to embrace our differences and share how we prioritize, how we take care of ourselves so that someone can adopt that for themselves. But the, the, the standard articles that are floating around on Facebook just kind of give me an irk every time someone tags me in them. <laughs> I agree. Like, we're all different. And not all of us are great housekeepers or cooks or um, moms or, or whatever. And some of them, some of us are. Like, it. All yeah. And sometimes I'm a bad girlfriend and I am future thinking and I'm not present in the moment. So like, yeah. Like we're, we're not perfect, but the, the, you have to return back to like what makes, what makes you, you as an alpha female. And I think it's, you know, trying to succeed at the things that you're working on mm -hmm. and, that can be a long list, it can be a short list, and presence during the moments where you are working on something, and that is something I know I have to always do a check-in every day because it is easy to be distracted. Oh yeah, the future thinking is definitely a, 
a symptom of being alpha female because we have so many goals and achievements or to-do lists items and our brains are always working and getting inspired and figuring out new things but yeah sitting down and being present is so important and I'm slowly getting the the conscious meditation practice in my life in the morning which is helping me just ground myself so early in the day before I'm pulled in different directions um and it's not hard. It's taken me a year to actually make time for it. Um, but I'm, I'm with you on constantly problem solving for being present. Yeah, yeah. I want to make one other comment just around the perceptions of, of alpha females. And this happened to me like years ago um, when I was still dating and I got feedback from a guy that I was like interested in and said, Oh, I don't want to date you, Leslie Ann, because you're just, you know, a little too busy, like you're a little too popular. And um all I thought of is like, wow, what a short sighted person. When I was and, dating I got you do too much. Yeah. <laughs> similar similar feedback. Um and I just you know, it, that hurt my feelings a lot when I heard that feedback. But at the same time, now that I'm a little bit older, wiser, um, that person would never have been the right fit for me because they wouldn't have been able to offer the support that I need. And it stung, but it was a life learning. And I now understand that never ever do you give your heart and soul to somebody that isn't really going to get get it in terms of supporting you. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. And uh, if they want to join in on all of the things that you're doing, like one of my indications of um, why I was meant to be with my boyfriend was when I showed him my bucket list and all the adventures I want to do on a seasonal basis, he was like, sign me up. Instead of like, whoa, you do way too much. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a lesson, but definitely hurts when you're in the dating world. Um, okay. It comes full circle to the end of the show and my favorite question. So please share with us, what is your definition of happiness? Hmm. I think happiness is something that I get to make. And it's where I feel peaceful um, and successful at the things that I'm working on, the things that I care about. I also think happiness involves an ocean. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And some warmer weather. But really, at its core, um, happiness is up to me. And I strive for it every day not successful all the time but I can tell you uh, with a full transparent mind and heart that I experience happiness every day because I and tr- I think I achieve what I can every day and I give myself I cut myself the slack that I need um, in order to to give my body, my mind, my business, 
what it needs to grow. So I know fundamentally I'm a grower. I like to help people grow. I like to grow myself, my business. And if I can grow in certain areas every day, even if it's just a little bit, (laughs) I feel happy. I love it. And your ocean and cold comment was a true Canadian winter answer. Yeah. <laughs> I can't help it. The other thing that makes me happy is I, I genuinely, genuinely love great food. And I'm so fortunate that I also enjoy fitness because if I didn't, I think um, maybe my waistline would be a lot bigger. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for providing such uh, an interesting financial conversation that our listeners haven't heard yet. So thank you for your time. Thanks, Robin. This podcast is sponsored by Real Plans. If my purpose is to inspire others to be proactive with their health, it will depend on getting you into the kitchen and preparing real food from scratch. I do believe it's possible to eat out or use meal deliveries to stay healthy, but without the inclusion of home-cooked meals, I think we're missing key ingredients in our nutrition. So while you can't always cut out the cooking, you can cut out the stress with real plans. I've been living the meal planning and Sunday meal prep lifestyle since my days as a fitness competitor in 2009. And when I was diagnosed with MS in 2014, I then launched into further nutritional education and incorporating the Walls Protocol, an autoimmune paleo way of eating into my life. So sometimes I use a pen and paper for meal planning, or I was using a meal planning board. And then I discovered the online platform Real Plans, and I actually screamed with excitement. And I'm serious, I screamed. Because I can spend 10 minutes a week creating a meal plan on my desktop, it then generates a grocery list that goes to the free app on my phone. And as I'm shopping, I can check off each item. And as I'm cooking, I can click on recipes and the full recipe will show up. So head on over to bit.ly, so B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash alpha real plans. That's alpha R-E-A-L-P-L-A-N-S to check them out. Thank you for listening to the Alpha Female Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. And I would love you to eternity and back if you would be so kind to open your podcast app of choice and leave me a rating and review. You can find more of me at robinbaldwin.com. That's Robin with a Y, B-A-L-D-W-I-N. And join us next week for another inspiring chat. I hope you have a spectacular day.